Well, hello and welcome to another UK Motor Talk Formula One Grand Prix review. This week looking at the 2022 British Grand Prix. My name is Jim and I'm joined by Graham on this fine and sunny evening. Hello, Graham. Hello, Jim. We are here. Are you well? Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, great, great Grand Prix. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it was a... Uh, the whole weekend, really, I think, was just... It had a, uh, a wonderful party atmosphere, a good vibe to it, sell-out crowd. It was absolutely jam-packed. Every grandstand was full. The, the place was sold out, standing room only, and then some... And it was uh, it was really really good to see. Despite I, I did have a look at the uh, the ticket prices, and they were slightly slightly more than I wanted to shell out. I'll be totally honest, um, but I think it's uh, it's fair to say that everybody who went there had a uh, had a damn good time and a very entertaining race as well. The free practice build ups. It was uh, I think it was a wet first free practice. Practices two and three were dry, but uh, just before Q one there was a, a bit of a deluge. But everybody went out on inters. At least the session got going as it should, when it should. I mean, it's if uh, if the track's ever too uh, too wet for inters, it does seem to be that they red flag it and just give up and go home. But uh, yeah, everybody headed out. Apart from the Red Bulls and the Alpines, they seemed uh, a bit slow to head out. Perez having another issue, and uh, the Alpines just just generally being a bit slow to head out. I think. We had sort of one of those. The beginning of the session was uh, okay. Well, who's going to throw it off first, or is it? Is it going to rain more? Is it going to be that first banker lap that gets you in, or will it be the last man over that that sets the uh, the fastest time? But I think everybody just seemed quite well behaved and circulated round. Bottas had a bit of an off, but everybody was um, keeping it on the black stuff fairly well. Uh, Leclerc setting the early pace, uh, then Russell and Verstappen picking it up a, a little bit. So it was. Um, I don't know, sort of a slightly regular bottom five, really, wasn't it? Stroll, uh, Schumacher, Vettel, Magnussen and Albon dropping out. Just a lack of performance from Aston Martin in the wet again, wasn't there? I'm don't, not quite yep. sure where their pace goes in, in wet qualifying. It just seems to disappear, and, and Stroll is um, even less able than Sebastian to, to deal with that sort of circumstances. But, I mean, Sebastian, I have to say, does surprise me. I mean, you know, there's a four-time world champion. He's, he's no mean driver. There are perhaps those that might say that his um, period with Red Bull was uh, when the car was absolutely dominant. But nevertheless, he's a very, very good driver who really, really seems to be struggling. It's a sad commentary on the state of Aston Martin, I think. Well, he seems to be struggling in the wet, but maybe it's uh, it's more of a car thing. I mean, we've seen Lance Stroll go well in wet conditions before, haven't we? You know, Turkey a couple of years ago springs to mind. And um, Monza, I seem to remember him being rather impressive in wet. Uh, I think was it a wet qualifying? He sort of banged it on the front row in mm. at Monza, didn't he? Once, yeah. So it's, um, yeah. He, uh, Lance Stroll does seem to drive well in the wet, but whether it's a, uh, a function of these twenty twenty two cars and separating out the the very good drivers from the the merely good drivers, uh, I'm not sure whether it's just a, an Aston Martin setup. But yeah, they were uh, they were well down. Um, Q2 uh, still uh, still very much intermediate conditions when it uh, when it got going. Um, Verstappen got a hell of a banker lap on uh, early on. It was uh, he he was straight out and straight on it, but the rain just got that little bit heavier, didn't it? And, uh, and nobody could improve too much. Ocon and Ricardo, uh, I think, were the the two biggest scouts out of Q2, uh, losing Ocon, Ricardo, Sonoda, Bottas, and Gasly. Um, not not. <laughs> Hate to say it yet again, not an overly impressive showing from uh, from Ricardo in qualifying. Again, is it a, a function of the cars and and the design of the cars? It separates out 
as it separates out the good from the uh, from the very good. I, I certainly would class Ricardo as, as absolutely world class and top level. I'm I'm a big fan of his and I've said it many times, mm. but it's uh, it's just clearly not suiting him this car, is it? I would agree with that. Uh, we, we saw a brief flash a couple of races ago where things were starting to look a little better, but to yet again uh, fall out and not make Q2 was um, extremely disappointing. I agree with you, he's a world-class driver. He's proven that a number of times, and he's a battler, he's a scrapper, but we don't know quite what is wrong, but I, you do detect the fact that he's not laughing, he's not smiling as much as he once was and and you know the, whether it's the car whether it's the team a combination of the two things uh, and a loss of confidence on his part but it's simply not happening for him which is very sad to see yeah it is i mean there's been been more rumblings over the last week or so about where he's going to head for next year whether he'll still be i think that the general consensus is he will be with mclaren but whether he's with mclaren in formula one or whether he disappears off to uh to indycar formula e extreme or you know one of the many other series they're placing themselves in i'm not uh not too sure but uh i you know I, as i just said i'm a big fan of ricardo i think he brings a lot to the sport in terms of personality and aggression and racecraft and speed and and all these sorts of things but it's uh it's just frustrating seeing him not able to uh to unleash his full potential so um fingers crossed for him but we shall uh we shall see uh but one uh one name that i've normally mentioned by now as we head into q3 is uh is latifi i normally mention him fairly early on in proceedings of qualifying roundups but he made it all the way to q3 so uh an embattled driver for um probably more uh more reasons than ricardo a uh a stonking session from him he was uh, he was driving out of his skin but keeping it on the track and and pushing on very well but still uh still very wet track and only just just about intermediate conditions as we went into q3 impressive 360 from verstappen but what uh stood out at that stage and, and it shows how quickly verstappen was getting on with things and the others were building up despite the 360 his lap time was only a second off leclerc's uh banker lap at that stage so it, uh, it showed how hard he was pushing on but alonso popping out fastest by about three and a bit seconds with his uh, his first run so Alonso carrying over his uh, his confidence from Canada qualifying but I think we're heading into that it looked like it was going to be the last man over the line that would be best placed to uh, to set pole position I think the, uh, the last man over the line was Alonso with just two seconds to go we thought he'd timed it right but it just rained that little bit heavier in the last lap didn't it and uh, Hamilton had said afterwards the uh, the rain was just too much on that last lap and lots of drivers had done cool down or a recharge lap on their penultimate lap with the aim of go over the line with a few seconds to go and have full power and everything uh, everything good to go but just that that bit of rain so uh, Carlos Sainz had said what he thought was he said to him didn't feel particularly special or, or magical set a hell of a qualifying lap we had Verstappen second Leclerc third Perez lining up fourth, Hamilton fifth, Norris sixth, Alonso seventh, uh, despite being uh, being the last man over the line, Russell in eighth, uh, Guanyujo in ninth, and Latifi, I, think, I don't think he bothered setting a time in Q3, he was obviously just so surprised to uh, to get there, he didn't really know what to do, um, but great, uh, great to see Carlos get his uh, his first pole position, that was, uh, despite his thoughts, I thought that was a hell of a lap, and, and very well deserved, an early season wobbles and, and mistakes, and 
situations not of his making and maybe knocked his confidence a bit but that was uh that was great he's a very likable driver but he's a very quick driver and that was a that was a very quick lap it was it was very good to see indeed it was uh, I, i'm very surprised by some of his comments uh, actually when he was still in the cockpit and in the post-race interviews and and he was very sort of self-deprecating and and you know i really didn't think it was that good etc etc maybe that poll has given him a little bit more confidence and i think his confidence has been knocked a little bit earlier this season Charles has been dominant and um, i think he's was feeling a little bit uh, left out a little bit second man but i you know i think he proved us uh, something rather different He's a battler. He well deserves yeah, to be so. at or near the front. Was it Jim Clark always used to say uh, he could never work out why everybody else didn't just do what he did? And it was, you know, what's the secret to being so fast? Well, just getting it and drive. And I don't know why everybody else doesn't drive faster than me because I don't think I'm particularly good at it. And that was, but I think that, that probably had the effect of just demotivating his competition, really, didn't he? If he didn't think he was that good and he was still quicker than all of them. Um, but it was uh, no great, uh, great scenes. Very good to see. Heading into the race on Sunday, we had uh, a few heavy clouds uh, overhead, and it was um, I don't know out out of the two, what what produces more randomness: uh, wet qualifying and a dry race, or the other way round, or or indeed if uh, if qualifying and the race are both wet. But it uh, lo- looked uh, looked like it might rain, but never actually did, did it? Well, to be fair, if it had rained early on in the race, it probably wouldn't have affected things too much, would it? As it was uh, five lights out, and away we go, and oh, bloody hell, what's happened there? Oh, Jesus, what's happened to him? Blimey, oh, right. Oh, God, what's happened there? It was uh, it, it kicked off fairly big style fairly early, didn't it? Yeah, With, um, very quick. Albon, uh, Guan Yuzhou, George Russell, Ocon, Sonoda, all, all getting involved and banging into each other in uh, in various phases. I mean, the Alex Albon one, although it didn't uh, look particularly bad from the outside, uh, Albon got, got tagged by Vettel, I think, didn't he, and, and into, yeah. um, into the barrier. And then Ocon and Sonoda sort of collected him in various stages through turn one. But, the, you know, the, the radio call from Albon at the time, you know, they got on the radio, you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I'm out, but yeah, I'm okay. And and that seemed fine. But but actually he ended up uh, being airlifted to uh, to Coventry Hospital. Um, put out a tweet later on that he'd been uh, been released and all was okay, but slightly worse than it uh, than it looked for Albon. I think with the uh, the spectacular accident that uh, that Guan Yu Zhou found himself involved in, that kind of really overshadowed uh, Albon's slightly less impressive looking shunt, didn't it? With Guan Yu Zhou onto the probably one of the big talking points of the weekend. Russell and Zoe either side of Gasly. Uh, I think Russell just squeezed Gasly a little bit, tipped him into a spin. He tipped into uh, into Guan Yuzhou and rolled over, dug in, and and sort of flipped over over the barrier and landed in the gap in between the barrier and the uh, the safety fencing, didn't he? Um, mm. But it was, uh, I think, just uh, we'll we'll probably talk more about the safety aspect of. Of Formula One and road cars in the in the main podcast, so uh, stay tuned for that one. That's uh, coming up on this uh, on this feed shortly. But the the sportsmanship from George Russell. I mean, he he sacrificed yeah. his own race at that stage. All he had was a puncture. If he'd have uh, if he'd have carried on, he could have wheeled round. And to be honest, even if he had a bit of suspension damage, the uh, the team had plenty of time to patch it up and fix it. So he'd have uh, he'd have been okay but he he hopped out and uh, and went to go and help Guan Yu Zhou and that's just wonderful sportsmanship and really really yeah. nice to see yeah, I yeah. Think, uh, if he cost himself a few championship points 
by jumping out of the car. I think he's earned himself a lot of brownie points, but I think it, it shows a measure of the man, doesn't it? And his, uh, his concern. That was very, very, very yeah. nice to see. Yeah, it was, it was very good to see. It, it, it backfired against him in terms of re-entering the race because uh, if one was listening uh, afterwards, he was saying that he told the marshals not to touch the car so he could then come back to it. When he then got back there, uh, it was already on the back of a truck, and that that was it. And then he was uh, almost begging uh, the FIA to uh, allow him to get the car off the truck and get it repaired. Well, of course, by then, uh, no way that would have been in contravention of so many of the different sporting rules and regulations that it, it just wasn't going to happen. But I could understand him being sort of miffed that, um, uh, as you alluded to, Jim, you know, the car was was probably viable at that point um and he could have rejoined and i've no doubt would have done very well because some of uh, his competitors have been cleared out of the way by then i've got slight flashbacks to um can't pay will take it away or one of those american repossession shows like that where he says oh hang on a minute i'll be back in a minute mate he comes back and by the time he comes back it's on a lot oh can't you just let it off no it's too late i've winched it now mate sorry it's uh it's all done oh no but i got i got 50 quid now it's 100 quid tow away fee sorry mate that's that's it Boss, you know, boss is on my back. Nothing I can do, and and his car got towed, which is uh, which is a bit unfortunate. But um, <laughs> I suppose rules is rules. If uh, once you've had outside assistance, whether the driver deems it necessary or not, it's not really up to the driver to decide at that stage, is it? So rules is rules. So uh, so that was it. That uh, that put paid to his race, unfortunately. Certainly. But uh, yeah, we then had the uh, the the wonderful timing. I mean, the cost of driving to the British Grand Prix is uh, is a couple of hundred quid's worth of fuel at today's prices. The uh, the cost Cost of seven or eight entry tickets to the Grand Prix is a couple of thousand pounds at, uh, at today's prices. And going in there and deciding to dump yourself on the track to protest the use of oil and, uh, and carbon and this and that and the other, but doing it just as the race has been red flagged anyway, so you get absolutely no TV time, and then you get the uh, the British marshals, some of the best in the world, just come and pick you up by your scrotum and drag you off the side of the track unceremoniously yeah. as. Uh, has got to be fairly priceless. I mean, we've we've spoken on this podcast before about the uh, the protests and uh, and and where they're trying to get to it. But I, you know, yes, the message is 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 very accurate, very true, very noble, very just, and and very quite right too. But let's let's compare the way they impacted the weekend, or the the way they could have potentially impacted the weekend, um, either by killing themselves or a driver or somebody else. Um, and uh, but compare that with Vettel's demonstration run in the 1992 Williams on carbon neutral fuels, and and what's a better way of doing it? And Vettel made a point of emphasising the carbon neutrality of the fuels and the fact that the planet is in exactly the same state for him having indulged a passion like that for a few laps on a Sunday morning. Compare that with the protesters. I mean, it just what what ridiculous timing! You just couldn't have timed it worse, could you? And they were they were quickly dispatched. And uh, I think, well, regardless of the uh, the coverage or the message, just thank God that the cars weren't heading through there at racing speed two or three abreast, because that would have there the would have been deaths. There would have absolutely been deaths if if that had have happened. We have seen that before a number of years ago, and I can't remember where it was or even when it was, but it was quite a number of years ago that somebody dashed across on a, a live field um, carrying some sort of flag or banner or something, and, um, you know, that, that's just suicidal. It brought home to me, Jim, when you and I and Mike were standing 
on the collecting area exit just how fast the cars were going we were very very close to them at that point and when the electric cars were going through and uh, the uh, subsequent um, uh, hill climb record uh, new holder uh, as he went past it was difficult to actually see him he went past so fast and it, it made me sort of realize you know the, the the risks of being that close to a car that's moving at 150 miles an hour say that's not a survivable incident no definitely not well we've seen uh um, you know, Tom Price, albeit there was a fire extinguisher involved in that when he made contact with the marshal, they uh, they both lost their lives. And uh, yeah. I think it was Silverstone, was it 1998, uh, 2000, something like that? We had the uh, the protester running up the track, and, and Hockenheim, we had the disgruntled ex Mercedes employee up and down the track, didn't we? So I think that yeah. was 2000. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's not. Um, it's not uh, not unprecedented, but it's you know to to run onto a live racetrack is 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 just suicidal um, for yourself and for the driver as well. It's you know exactly uh, as, so. As I say, we we'll get on to the main podcast safety in Formula One these days. But one thing Formula One cars are not designed to do is run over pedestrians. With road cars, there's pedestrian safety taken into account. Hence, we have bonnets of a certain height and squishy bits in the middle and you know engine pickup points that are way low down and deformable bumpers and things like that but formula one cars haven't got any of that they've um at the front they've they've got sharp angular bits of carbon fiber and and the halo which is um as we've seen a rather solid lump of kit so i'd imagine headbutting one of those at well to be honest <laughs> even 30 miles an hour would do you a lot of damage let alone 130 miles an hour but yeah, um, enough, uh, enough about them. I, once we'd um, uh, patched up the barrier and made sure that Guan Yu Zhou was okay and uh, and extracted, which uh, which took a while. I think it was about what an hour's delay. I think something like that to the race. So yeah, they, um, about that. About effectively, that. just uh, just reset it and said, right, go again. Everybody, line up exactly as you were. If you've had a chance to fix it in the pit lane, great. Get on with it. Line up in the order you were and um, and start again. Basically, Science had uh, had lost out on uh, on the first start to Verstappen. He was mega aggressive in the uh, in the second start. I think it was a case of okay, well, I'm I'm not getting the best getaway here, but I think I'm um, I'm going to be slightly more elbows out with this one and a very very robust defence or robust racing from Science. So here. He managed to lead away, but Leclerc and Perez uh, had a little coming together, and Leclerc and Verstappen little bumps and uh, and scrapes, and Perez losing a few bits of his front wing, which uh, which I think called him into the pits. I'm not quite sure whether it was 100% worth coming in for that, but he uh, he dropped all the way to last as he pitted on uh, on only lap six. Signs have been looking uh, from his his robust start. He'd uh, he'd been looking good out front, but ran wide at Beckett's, and Verstappen was straight past him. Just wasted no opportunity there at all. wasn't quite sure at that stage if Verstappen was um, biding his time or that was all he had, but he didn't. Uh, he certainly, well, he very rarely need to ask Verstappen once, let alone twice, to uh, to seize the lead of a race. And uh, I think just as that was happening, the two Alpha Tauris seemed to have committed the cardinal sin of running into each other. So Noda getting the uh, the blame for that one and a five second penalty. But then uh, up front, uh, more drama, supposedly a, a puncture, so he thought, for Verstappen. He uh, suddenly saw him going very slowly, just as we were watching the replays of, uh, of the Alpha Tauris. Put Carlos Sainz back in the lead and, and Verstappen straight into the pits uh, for a new set of mediums, rejoining sixth. 
it was quite clear very soon after he came out of the pits that, that there was something up with the uh, with the car. It uh, it did look, to all intents and purposes, even on fresh tyres, like he had a puncture. The um, the car was oversteering like anything. It looked like an absolute piglet to drive for him. Turned out later on, or, or after the race, it was blocked or uh, or damaged Venturi tunnels, I think, but only on one side. So it was giving him. Uh, the uh, the ground effect and an underbody downforce that's generated on them. He uh, he was losing a good chunk, but only on one side, which must have made for a very odd uh, feeling car. But up front, Leclerc pressuring Sainz, uh, but Hamilton all the while was getting closer and closer and closer. It seemed like a bit of a bit of indecision and dithering from uh, from Ferrari. I mean, Bonotto after the race was reasonably robust and and sort of slightly irritated by the. Um, the uh, the criticism of Ferrari team orders or team strategy or the way they played it, but you know Leclerc was wanting to get past Science, but uh, initially they sort of dithered, set Science uh, a lap time target which he hit, but then kind of didn't hit, but then said oh the target's a bit lower and it was all just um, not not quite that decisive really, but they, I think they pulled Science into into the pits first to get him out of the way and then say to to Leclerc, okay, well, you head off, see what you can do, and and we'll go from there. But even uh, even once Sainz had pulled uh, pulled into the pits and let Hamilton and Leclerc go, Lewis was just just closing the gap to Leclerc all the time. Verstappen having a, another stop uh, for for hard tyres to see if he could try and improve his lot. But uh, yeah, Le- Leclerc just d- didn't seem to to pull away from Lewis. I mean, the Mercedes running better in race trim this weekend. And maybe sort of cheered along by the uh, the British crowd. Leclerc dropping uh, dropping behind Sainz. Sainz got past him. Then Leclerc seemed to pick up the pace again. So it's just sort of a bit of cat and mouse and and whatever else. But I did quite like the uh, the Ferrari radio message of free to fight. I mean, it's whether they've just sort of given up trying to work out what on earth was going on at that stage or what the best thing to do. So they just said, "Oh, sod it, fight you know, fight it out between yourselves. Just don't crash into each other. I'm going home. Bye." It is always nice to hear that message because it does make you just rub your hands because it's uh, it's far better than hold position, you know. It uh, that's a surefire way of killing the drama. Meanwhile, Lewis behind stopped on uh, on lap thirty four. Bit of a slow stop, so he was uh, he was out in P three. It did look at one stage like he was going to be able to uh, to jump out in between the pair of them, didn't he? And they'd have all been separated by about mm. two and a half seconds at that stage. But it was, uh, it was it was a good dice, and it was you know I think it was. It was going to be a fairly steady Ferrari one-two with uh, with Lewis in third, and really just up to what Ferrari decided with when to fight or not to fight. And then we had uh, if you know if turn one on the first start was the defining moment of the weekend, Ocon grinding to a halt on the old pit straight and bringing out the safety car was certainly the defining moment of the race. But I think you know did did Ferrari miss a trick not bringing Leclerc in straight away because they had time. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, to, to go from a, a situation where you don't have team orders, then you do have team orders, then you don't have team orders, uh, and you're free to fight, is, is uh, I'm afraid that's the Ferrari scenario, it seems to be. You know, I've got a great deal of respect for Binotto, but uh, he doesn't make that decision, I think, entirely alone. Um, but somebody makes some very strange calls in that team and, and loses them points, loses them positions. Loses them respect, 
which is uh, not a good thing for the team that's been in uh, Grand Prix racing longer than anybody else and Formula One longer than anybody else. Ferrari have never been shy of doing team orders and doing them very emphatically in the past and, and actually coming under fire and, and even resulting in rule changes in the past. But they've uh, historically, always I say historically, this is going back 20, nearly 20 years ago now, but they've always had a very clear, no, that's the order, that's it, get on with it, whether you like it or not. I think a lot of that came from Ross Braun, to be honest, and and that carried into the Mercedes camp. You know, Ross was always very good at delivering those in the way they needed to be done, and uh, he carried that on into Mercedes. I remember early on it was uh, Nico and um, Schumacher, wasn't it, scrapping away, and then Ross had pulled mm. it off, and Nico had said, but I can't, Nico, no. And it was almost like, you, you know, oh, oh okay. Sorry, sir. Uh, sorry, sir. Yes, do, sir. Sorry, sir. Do as you're told. And, and, and he shut it down. Yeah, the, that was it. So, for Leclerc's point of view, they certainly missed a trick by not uh, not pitting him, wanting to retain track position. Good chunk of cars, Sainz, Hamilton, Perez, Ricardo, Sonoda, uh, Alonso, Vettel, Schumacher, Latifi, uh, Verstappen again, um, and uh, Norris also all stopped. But Leclerc leading, uh, leading on quite well-used hards with Sainz and Hamilton on softs behind. Well, it was... Uh, I think it was always fairly predictable that Leclerc wasn't going to stay in front of them. But then Ferrari imposing a, or trying to impose a team order on Sainz, saying, oh, back Lewis up a bit to give Leclerc some breathing room. And Carlos Sainz saying, no, I don't think that's the right thing to do. And Ferrari saying, no, actually, you're quite right. Ignore us. Just get on with it. <laughs> and more, uh, more indecision there. But the, uh, the, the racing, the, those, those last however many sort of 10 laps, 12 laps, whatever we, we got of racing with Perez, Leclerc, Hamilton and, and Alonso just constantly behind, a bit like the, um, you know, like a, a great white shark just lurking in the ocean, just following the pair, of, you know, following the, the gaggle of cars in front of him to see what was going to happen. But the the racing between those three was just absolutely spectacular. Bits bits of wheel banging, bits of slightly running out wide, but no investig you know, no investigations necessary or, or nothing went through. You know, you know, oh you ran wide by two inches, so you have to let him pass or you have to give him five seconds. You know, none of that. But the noise that that I mean, I'm not not a particularly huge uh, huge Lewis fan in the grand scheme of things, but when I I was cheering him on because I knew that if he made an overtake or when he got past Perez and Leclerc in one corner, the noise from the crowd. I mean, that's that's a uh, you you can very rarely hear the noise of the crowd over the the roar of the engines. Well, maybe hear it a bit more these days, but just the I'd, I've not heard that noise outside of a World Cup final before. Mm. It's it 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 was goosebumps. It was phenomenal. I'd I'd have actually quite liked to have been just outside Silverstone, just just in the car park outside when that was going on. That that must have been quite spectacular to be there. It, I, I, to be honest, I think anybody that had paid an awful lot of money to be there, they certainly got their money's worth because it it was a race of of great driving, great racing, incredibly competitive. And and if you like the sort of American version, the thrills and the spills and so on. I mean, it was it was spectacular in every sense of the word. Yeah, and it was. Uh, I think Hamilton. Uh, I mean, P- Perez, sort of a, a stealthily phenomenal race from Perez. We uh, we said, but he's, he seems to do that on occasion, doesn't he? Very early on in the race, drops to uh, right to the back of the grid, and then you think, oh well, forget about him. That's him done for the day, and he pops up in second. I mean, he's he's gone from last to first before to uh, to win his first race, of course. 
But um, yeah, just a stealthily phenomenal drive from Perez. But Lewis managing to get past uh, get past Leclerc, I think that was just a, a tire advantage. I mean, by the end of the race, Leclerc's hards were, what, 27, 28 laps old, and, and Lewis's mm. softs were 13 laps. So yeah. That that's more than enough, I think, to make up the uh, the difference in the basic uh, in the basic car pace. But we had another great scrap as well, slightly further down the the embattled Verstappen being hurried along by young Mick Schumacher. I mean, he's had uh, he's had some pressure on his shoulders and, and missed out on points when he should have scored by now. Uh, but again, his he was he was sat there in PA, and I'm sure 99% of people would have just sat there behind Verstappen. I think 99% of people wouldn't have blamed Mick for sitting behind Verstappen and just collecting the eighth place. But he was uh, he was fighting. He wanted seventh. He he wasn't going to be happy. He wasn't going to settle for eighth, was he? There was um, really good racing between those two. That was good to see. Very good to see. Good to see him scoring well. You know, it's been it's been a long time coming, but it's it's good to see he's making that progress. If it was emotional watching uh, Lewis make the overtakes and and get spurred on by the crowd for his podium play, so I think there was a, an equal level of support for Mick just to watch the racing. Run down the uh, the finishing order in reverse. Sonoda uh, bringing up the rear. Ricardo he was just didn't really go anywhere. Didn't really have any pace. Couldn't really seem to do a lot to be honest in the race. Not sure if he had um, car issues or something underlying again. But uh, very disappointing weekend for him. Latifi sort of dropped down the order slowly but surely. But dropped down as you would expect slowly but surely rather than spectacularly. A good race from him. Lance Stroll actually from uh, from Aston Martin's qualifying position. Stroll did well to make it up to eleventh. Magnussen in tenth. Vettel, I thought, I thought drove a, a bloody brilliant race to get from uh, from P what was he P nineteen up to uh, up to the points. That was um, a really 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 good race from Aston Martin. Schumacher, as we've said, in eighth. Verstappen in seventh. Norris uh, a fairly straightforward, I think, sort of slightly best of the rest, but. Just got slightly undone by pit stop timing to uh, to come in sixth behind Alonso in fifth. Leclerc a very dejected fourth. Lewis making it onto the podium in third. Perez a uh, stealthy but good second. And and Science taking the win. I I don't think anyone was going to take that off him. To be honest, I think it was um, team orders stay behind him. No, okay, good shout. Off you go. Uh, we've had a race start. Verstappen got in front of you. Have another go. Okay, he's not getting past me this time. He was uh, he he grabbed that, and that that was bloody good to see. And he 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 deserved that. He wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna let anybody yeah. else have that win this weekend. And it's I hope it takes his his confidence and and it unlocks something within him, and and he can build on it. He deserved that win. I mean, it's 150 Grand Prix, and then finally to be on the top step on the podium. But he earned it, and uh, he's done a lot of very good work this season, and, and some things have not quite worked out for him. But hopefully it'll change the balance slightly within the team to his benefit. Although Leclerc described it as a happy conversation, and, and it was Bonotto trying to uh, to encourage me, I, I generally don't try and encourage people by wagging my finger at them, saying no, 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 and pointing at them in a rather aggressive manner. It, it seemed... Uh, it seemed like a bit of a, a ticking off of no, you play the team game and and say the team's done well and but it was almost like Bonotto knew what was going to happen so he headed it off and then the uh, the first questions about the strategy was well we won the race didn't we so bugger off what does it matter was was um, <laughs> his answer the finger waving was was stupid from somebody who I don't regard as being stupid but uh, to go through the finger waving thing to give somebody a, a, a needless and pointless bollocking. Uh, in public, was just Ferrari at its 
absolutely unmanageable worst. If you're going to do that, and yes, it needs doing sometimes, but if you're going to do that, you do that in private. You don't do that in the full glare of the cameras because it, it, it just makes you all look stupid. It was not well done by Benotto. Absolutely, but it was on a uh, on a weekend where um, Leclerc should have really been nibbling a, a large chunk of points out of uh, Verstappen's lead. He didn't quite capitalise on that. So, uh, top of the driver's standings, got Lewis in sixth, closing the gap to George Russell uh, ever so slightly. Carlos Sainz makes a, a good stride up into fourth, 127 points. Leclerc on 138 points, so not a lot between those two now. So, another couple of races, if Carlos can keep that momentum going, uh, at what point do Ferrari call their championship favourite and their number one driver, If uh, given their, their team orders performance at the weekend, if they even will do that. But it's... Um, Carlos uh, closing that gap slightly, and uh, and Charles on 138 points, Sergio Perez on 147, so closing the gap uh, slightly. But Verstappen still out front, 181 points. So I mean, I think if it was uh, if it wasn't for the damage, the aerodynamics, and and the randomness of a few bits and pieces, Verstappen would it would have been a very a very close scrap between Verstappen and and one of the Ferraris for the win. If you took all the uh, the wing damage and tunnel damage out of it, I think. I think on balance, Red Bull would have probably had the pace ever so slightly. So uh, I, don't, I don't think Max needs to be too upset with the weekend's results. If uh, if it's a bad weekend and you finish seventh, well, at least he got some points. And okay, it was his teammate who made some inroads to his championship lead, but really, it's his teammates. That probably doesn't matter too much, does it? Depends on the wording of the contract, doesn't it? As these things always do. Well, I think they're uh, they're contracted as Red Bull drivers, all of them, aren't they? So if all of a sudden you're you're driving for Red Bull in the soapbox challenge, then uh, then you're still a Red Bull driver. You drive where we say. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm sure Max won't uh, won't lose too much sleep over the uh, the weekend results. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, not uh, well. It's only a few days break now, and we're uh, we're at Austria this weekend. So Red Bull's home race. So I think they'll want to bounce back there. But Red Bull in particular, um, for obvious reasons, and and Verstappen seem to go well round there. So be interesting to see if uh, if science can carry that momentum on and uh, and carry on. He'd seem to carry on momentum from the end of Canada very well into Silverstone. So if he can carry Silverstone's momentum into Austria, then uh, then who knows. Yeah, so I think we'll uh, we'll leave it there and um, bid you farewell for this week. Thank you for uh, for joining us again. And thank you for Graham to uh, to chipping in this week. It's uh, it's been nice to have a back and forth conversation. So um, stay tuned for the uh, the roundup of the uh, the Austrian Grand Prix, and we're we're about to head off and record uh, another podcast where we chat more about safety in uh, in road cars and Formula One in general. So uh, look us up. We are at UK Motor Talk on pretty much all the socials. So uh, from me, Jim, it's goodbye. And from me, Graham, it's goodbye. And we'll see you next time. Take care. UK Motor Talk, a first take media production.